0: Welcome to another bonus episode of the Tech Meme Ride Home. I'm Brian McCullough. A new kind of bonus episode. Today, we're going to look at one of our Ride Home Fund portfolio companies, Sensel. The idea with these episodes is that we will learn from innovative entrepreneurs and groundbreaking new companies, learning about new technologies right at their earliest stages, which is what sort of makes Sensel kind of an outlier to start off these episodes. When I started the Ride Home Fund, I never imagined that our first investment would be a hardware company, and a company that's been around for the better part of a decade. We invested in Sensel's Series B round, when every other investment thus far has been at the seed round or even earlier. We did so because Sensil was an opportunity we couldn't pass up. As you'll hear, touch technology as a key layer in computing interface and interaction is about to undergo a major generational leap forward, and Sensil is at the bleeding edge of this transformation. Not only is there a good chance that the next laptop you buy will have Sensil technology inside, but you'll hear how Sensil's tech could come to smartphones soon, to medical devices, to automobiles. In essence, Sensil's tech has the potential to radically transform how we interact with computers all across the real world, in real life, and even provide a key foundational layer as we build out the metaverse. Sensil reached out to us because they were listeners of this podcast, and I encourage any other startups out there who would like the power of the mutant podcast army behind you to get in touch with me directly at brian at ridehomefund.com. But also, if you're interested in learning more about Sensil as an investor, as a potential technology or business partner, as a potential employee, or merely as a user, again, email me and I'll get you in touch with them or contact Sensil directly. My thanks to all the folks at Sensel especially Ilya Rosenberg and Christian Hernandez. Thank you for partnering with us. And I can't wait to see how this technology explodes, thanks to Sensil's leadership in the years ahead. Ilya Rosenberg, thank you for coming on the Tech Meme Ride Home experience, a Tech Meme Ride Home bonus episode. The first of what hopefully will be several this year, but um, this is the first sort of uh, portfolio profile episode. Um, and Ilya, you're the CEO of what was the first investment for the Ride right Home Fund. So also it's fitting that you're the first uh, episode. Um, Ilya, you're the uh, one of the co-founders of Sensel. So just real quick, like in a two minute f- sort of first question, uh, give me the, Uh, a broad outline of of what Sensel is as a company and and what technology you guys uh, do.
1: Yeah, so, um, uh, Brian, great to be uh, on this podcast. And um, at a high level, um, at Sensel, we want to empower uh, people in the way that they um, interact with their uh, electronic devices. Um, And we want to do that by building the best Um, and most um, uh, powerful human computer interfaces um, that really increase dramatically the bandwidth of the uh, interaction that you have with your devices, um, both in terms of the touch input, um, including touch sensing and force sensing and other sensing modalities as well as the output, uh, which includes haptic uh, feedback to the user. Um, And We want to do that because we really believe that, you know, the future that we want to have is not the WALL-E future where, you know, computers uh, do everything for you, but the future that we're excited about is the future where, um, you know, we use computers as a tool and people are empowered to, um, you know, be more creative, be more expressive, have more fun, be more productive um, through their interactions with computers. And in order to do that, we need that interface to, you know, continue to improve.
0: Your um, your background actually. We're going we're going to talk about a lot about hardware, though. I know software uh, uh, interacting with this is a key component, but your your background is uh, as a software developer originally. Is that right?
1: Um, yeah, that's correct. Um, I studied um computer science and computer graphics. Um, both in my undergraduate um, at uh, Princeton and my PhD at New York University, and um, I I got interested in um, computer graphics. Uh, it's kind of kind of funny how that happened. Um, as a kid, I loved lava lamps, and uh, I had a senior uh, project um, during my undergraduate where I tried to make a virtual lava lamp. Um, basically, simulating the physics of the particles and figuring out how to do the rendering, um, and um, that's kind of how I got into computer uh, computer graphics and and kind of you know kind of I guess that was my first uh, first love in terms of um, the kind of research I was doing, um, uh, and that um, <clears throat> that led me into the video game industry. Um, mm. I actually. Um, I wrote a paper on the, the techniques that I developed to do this, essentially, real-time rendering of a lava lamp. Um, and um, Is that uh, because,
0: sorry to interrupt, and sure. I, uh, this might be something that I misheard or something, but I, I feel like I've heard before that to this day, or at, at least until recently, like, in graphics like modeling things like you know water flowing in a stream or like gas diffusing is not necessarily easy to do am i right about that or did i mishear that
1: yeah that's right um it's yeah it's one of the most challenging um areas in computer graphics because um you you know you have to do the physical simulation of of the fluid Um, um you know either like particle simulation or a uh, voxel-based simulation. And the, the physics of that is quite complex, but then, um, you know, to do something that's, you know, fun, like a lava lamp, you, you also need to render that in real time and make it look really nice and realistic. Um, so it is, it is challenging both from the simulation side and the rendering, rendering side. And we were trying to do that in real time um, so that that makes it even more complex. Whereas, you know, when you watch these effects in a Pixar movie, you know, they're often taking, you know, days and <laughs> months to render those effects. Um, but we were doing it, you know, in real time, um, you know, as you're running the simulation. So that, that leads
0: you to your first startup, um, a, a gaming startup, I guess?
1: Um, yeah, that's right. Um, around the time that the first iPhone uh, came out, we decided to try, to try to take some of that technology that I developed Um, And I also had a friend that was also really into, um, like, fluid simulation and gaming. Um, And we started a company um, to take that technology and and turn that into iPhone games. So we actually built one of the first apps that was on the App Store. And it was uh, an app called iLava. And it was basically a virtual lava lamp for your iPhone. Um, And we built a bunch of other, like, physics-based, fluid-based games Mm -hmm. for the iPhone.
0: So, I'm. How does that lead into uh, a touch hardware technology and stuff?
1: Um, yeah. So, um, I um, someone at at Valve Software saw some of these you know software demos that I was building um, and invited me to come do like an internship and a consulting gig at Valve. Um, so, um, I spent. Um, about a year working with valve and actually built some of our technology into the, the their engine into the steam engine um, and uh, and and so actually if you play portal 2 there's a lot of puzzles that are based on on liquids and um, those games use the technology that I developed it was uh, an engine oh Blobulator, wow. <laughs> is what we called it um, and um, yeah and then during kind of while i was working at valve and around that time i started to come to the realization that um you know graphics was increasing and improving at an exponential rate and both in terms of the hardware and the software um but really there was still this big bottleneck in terms of how we interact with our computers um i was also like at the time trying to write um you know try to Trying to build some software you can do like virtual clay modeling, you know, using the same engine um, and other kind of experiences. And I realized like, wow, it's really, you know, it's really hard to do any of this with a keyboard and mouse. Like, like the thing that's really missing is not the hardware and the soft, like not the, you know, the video graphics hardware and the soft video in you know video graphical software. It's really the interfaces that are deficient to get to kind of the next level of experiences that I wanted to kind of to see happen. Um that's kind of what, what got me into the hardware uh, side of things.
0: And so that's uh, startup number two, I'm assuming, uh, <laughs> which is TouchCo.
1: Um, yeah, so funny enough, there was another startup in mm. there, uh, something I did parallel to Gotham Wave Games, which was um, Gotham Wave Games, my experience doing that and this other startup led to TouchCo. Um, and this other startup, um, it's a whole other tangent, but uh, um, it was a company called smart lines and we were developing, um, actually sensors that would get in, embedded into tennis courts, um, to detect if the tennis ball was in or out. Oh. Um, so that's kind of how I got exposed to the sensing hardware side of things. Um, uh, because for, for what we were doing there, we had this big challenge where we wanted to, um, detect the impact of a tennis ball on the surface of the court, but also know you know is it in or out so you need really high precision for that um and also you need to ignore something like a footstep so if the player steps on the line you don't want it to buzz or whatever um and this was um this was around the time of the um of the uh uh, the serena williams uh controversy um at the us open um where she had lost the game because of a bad line call um and the international tennis federation um put out a uh kind of a a request for people to submit their ideas for how to you know how to fix line calling in tennis um so we were one of the systems that um uh went after the itf uh, certification um and we we essentially built out several of these tennis courts with sensors and it was system work that was awesome um but the company. Um, you know, we took some bad investments and kind of ran out of money, um, and so this was around the same time I was doing Gotham Wave Games. So I was kind of trying to do two startups in parallel, um, and I and and doing the stuff with Valve, um, and uh, and then I had this idea, like, oh, could we just take some of this hardware that we were developing for Smartline, some of the you know kind of the concepts, and. Miniaturize it and build a sensor that you could have on your desk that could, you know, sense your touch, your pressure, um, and so I kind of, kind of combined these two, uh, I guess, areas that I've been working in to one, and that was the start of touchco
0: Well, and it's so funny. I can we're going to talk about the technology that you know is behind what Sensel does, but I can see how <laughs> all that I can see the linear progression there of like you know. Uh, Sensitive sensing on a tennis court, and and keep being false positives out of it, and things like that, and and having actual like force touch and 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 sensitive uh, detection of force and stuff like that. So, um, let me. So then, um, that technology is miniaturized. That's what goes into um, TouchCo, and then is TouchCo is is acquired by Amazon, and some of that stuff goes into uh, Kindle technology.
1: Yeah, so um, at TouchCo, we kind of like you were mentioning, we took the technology, we miniaturized it, and we built this really high-resolution, pressure-sensitive touch technology. Um, And we were kind of, you know, we had a cool technology looking for an application. Um, So we were talking to a lot of different uh, companies about, you know, different ways we could apply it. Um, Amazon saw what we were doing, and at the time, they um, they had just released the first Kindle um, and they were looking for a way to add touch sensitivity to the Kindle, but they didn't want to put a touch sensor on top of the display because that would decrease the contrast and the brightness of it, um, especially for an e-ink reflective display. Um, if you put anything on top of it, it, it really kills the, the look of that display because there's no backlighting. Um, so the idea was to put... A flexible e-ink display on top of one of our sensors so there's absolutely no optical impact um, and build this like awesome you know Kindle reader uh, that looks beautiful but you have a touch sensor um, and you have to remember like the early Kindle readers they were very like steampunk they had like mechanical oh, yeah. for changing the page and they had like mechanical keyboards and the scroll wheel it was like very yeah, very retro um, and um and so they they ended up acquiring touchco to build you know bring that expertise that we had in developing touch sensing technology into amazon to help them you know kind of build you know build a better user experience for the kindle
0: well i'm assuming that was used in in the kindle voyage which is my favorite version of the kindle for whatever reason i buy kindles like people buy cell phones i every time there's a new one i get one and the the, the voyage was my favorite version of that um so i'm assuming that was you your technology in there somewhere
1: yeah so um so actually um aaron zaraga who's my co-founder at, at my new company Sensel, at what we're, you know we're talking about today um and myself we um took some of that touch code technology, and we invented a way to do a virtual page turn button um, on the Kindle voyage. Um, and that was called uh, the page press feature. Um, and the idea behind it was that we actually embedded force sensors under the glass of the display um, around the bezel. And we also added in a haptic um, actuator technology. Um, and by combining the force sensing and the haptics, we were able to basically virtually em- emulate a physical button click. So it felt like you were clicking a mechanical button, but really um you were just pressing on a force sensor and then at the right force level a, a mechanic, you know, a haptic click was was actuated to simulate the feel of that button. Um, and this was really the first high volume consumer electronic device to that I know of that had this kind of technology um it came out you know prior to the apple watch was which was apple's first product to have haptics force and haptics um and uh and it was it was really exciting to you know to see some of the touch go technology that we had developed um you know shipping in high volume and tens of millions of units so um that was that was a pretty awesome experience
0: well let's let's not (laughs) <laughs> Dilly dally any, any further. So uh, Sensil, I think, was founded uh, in 2013. Is that right? Yes, that's right. And so I'm assuming the idea was to continue along these lines and and take it to to the next generation stuff. So um, instead of having you you know recall all of the steps to where we are today, um, take me to the present day to to what Sensil is doing now to the smart surface and and just generally. This this next generation of touch that that Sensel is bringing into the world right now.
1: Yeah, so really, what we're um, trying to do is make um, you know integrate touch sensing, force sensing, and haptics. Um, integrate that all together and make that available as a um, you know kind of a, in a packaged form um, to. Uh, to major OEMs um, in the PC and mobile industries and and other industries as well. And really, what we've really focused on at Sensel is this concept of smart surface, where we're really combining these these technologies to make a very um, seamless, very rich experience for the user. Um, And it actually turns out that, um, you know, combining Touch force and haptics, having the best in class user experience in all three of those, and um, doing it in a cost-effective, you know, uh, an efficient way, uh, power-efficient, and um, you know, thin. Uh, it's it's a, actually a very complex problem to to combine those technologies. And most companies that have been around um, and that are in the industry that do touch sensing, force sensing, or haptics, they really have expertise in only one of those areas. And where we've really found our niche and where we've had a lot of success is is in that we understand all three of these uh, technologies. We have deep experience and intellectual property in all three of these technologies, and we can deliver a full solution to the customer um, so they don't have to worry about and try to figure out how to, you know, source three different components, how to combine them, how to write all the firmware and the software and build out the user experiences, Um, we do all that for them um, in a very uh, high performance and cost-effective way.
0: Guys, we don't have to choose between hair growth and our health. Nutrafol's drug-free whole-body approach promotes hair growth from within. No compromises, just better hair. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement brand with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter the promo code RIDEHOME. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men spelled dot com slash men and enter promo code RIDEHOME. We're being sponsored today by a company on a product that longtime listeners know I have used for years and cannot literally cannot live or at least work without it. One Password. One Password combines industry-leading security with award-winning design to bring private, secure, and user-friendly password management to everyone. Companies lose hours every day just from employees forgetting and resetting passwords. A single data breach costs millions of dollars. One Password secures every sign-in to save you time and money, any device, any time. One Password lets you securely switch between iPhone. get a free two-week trial at onepassword.com slash ride. That's two free weeks at the number one, the word password, all one word, dot com slash ride. 1password.com slash ride. So one way maybe, um, you know, normal folks would understand this is you know, it's, let's, let's think of laptops right now. Um, so like if people are old enough to remember, like, you know, 20 years ago, you on a laptop, you'd have a, a touchpad plus physical buttons. And then, you know, starting about 10 years ago, it switches to click pads where you get rid of the physical buttons. Um, and so this is moving from just having touch to then, you know, having feet haptic feedbacks and things like that. And, and so Explain to me what this next generation is. Like, obviously, we're there, no physical buttons. That's ancient history. But, um, like, what, what can I do with a, uh, a if I have a sensor device in my laptop in the near future, what can I do with it that I can't do right now um, with a touchpad on my laptop?
1: Um, so, there's kind of a spectrum of, advantages that you get um when you start to integrate senseless technology um um and you know haptic force sensing in general and the first kind of you know if you start um kind of more at the hardware side and the industrial design side um which is usually the first thing that the customer like our customers which are you know in the laptop and mobile um oems that they care about um, the, 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 the those First things are usually around the industrial design. So it's how big of a touchpad can I build? Um, and mechanical touchpad just does not scale. Um, if you try to make a big mechanical touchpad with a, you know, a little click button underneath it, it just starts to fail mechanically um, as it gets bigger because of flatness tolerances and, and, and stiffness and, and all these kind of things. Um, so that's kind of the first thing is like I can grow the touchpad bigger um, um, and <clears throat> and then also, um, as the touchpad gets bigger, you need it to get thinner because if you just grow it in x and y, but you keep the same z height, um, the thickness um, as a traditional mechanical click pad, um, you start to really consume a lot of the volume um, that's internal to the device, um, and so you have less space for a battery, you have less space for other, you know, computing uh, things that are in the laptop. Um, so those are kind of like the, the higher level things that. Um, the customers often care about is like, how big can I make the touchpad? How thin can I make it? Um, uh, But then, um, you know, you go a level deeper and you really start to see there's a lot of user experience benefits. Um, And again, um, there's kind of a hierarchy of like, there's some very basic things that you get. Um, Things like you can do much better palm rejection. So as you have a bigger touchpad, you're more likely to rest your palm on it inadvertently you might not even notice it Um, but you don't want your palm to click accidentally Um, if you're you know you just have your hand on the keyboard of a touchpad you know or you have your hand on the keyboard because you're typing but part of your palm is touching the touchpad you don't want to false click or false activate Um, with a haptic force pad um, we can in software determine oh that's a palm we're going to ignore the you know the force or the location of that palm because um, we know that the user is purposely trying to press there, um, and at the same time, if I have my other finger on the touchpad, for, you know, if I have my left hand on my p- touching with a palm, my right hand I'm trying to click, I I can at the same time see that that is an intentional touch, and I can trigger a click for that finger. Um, um, and then you know, just in general, being able to click anywhere on the surface with a consistent force that that is a huge benefit because that allows you to be much faster, much more efficient, um, you know, have much less fatigue. Um, in so your there's tra- not,
0: there's not like a, a hot zone on, on one of these. Everything exactly. is the hot zone. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Like on a traditional click pad, the bottom edge clicks, but as you go higher and higher, <laughs> it gets harder and harder to click because the touchpad is essentially, you know, acting as a lever. Um, and so we eliminate that. We can make a consistent click force everywhere. Um, and then, you know, going a little bit deeper, um, you can start to customize um, those effects. So you can have different um, different forces um, for different types of clicks. Um, so, uh, for example, if I'm you know filling out a form and I go to click on a submit button, um, I might want to make that button have a little bit of higher activation force to to again to avoid like an accidental click. Um, I might want to give you some feedback. So if you click. You know, submit on a form, but you've forgotten to fill out some fields, um, the touchpad can buzz um, or, and then if you've done everything correctly, you can have a different kind of click field to tell you that you've, um, you know, you've, you've submitted uh, successfully. Um, and, and then so there's
0: there, there's yeah. all sorts of dimensions to the feedback that you can get. But also, as a user, I, I can go in, into the software and I can tweak it to, to my own personal needs or, 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 or um, likes, I guess,
1: right? But yeah. I mean, you can customize the amount of force that it takes to, to press. Um, you know, if you've got a big hand and, uh, you, you know, large fingers, you might want to customize the palm rejection to be less, less strict. Um, and you might want to have a higher click force. If you've got you know, smaller fingers and you press lighter, you might want to customize it the other way. People have very different preferences in terms of the amount of feedback they like for the click. Some people like a really strong click. Some people like it lighter. Well, so, and, and
0: why this might be important is, am I right in assuming that you're talking about making a larger touch area on, say, a laptop? Could I like basically make the entire bottom part of the laptop be functionally the click zone? And so then there's different areas where I can do different things. And that's when you're talking about the palm rejection and stuff like that.
1: Definitely. And that's, you know, that's kind of our longer term vision is that these surfaces will start to get larger, um, they start, they'll start to get, um, so they will start to take over the whole palm rest area of the laptop, and we already have um, programs where we're developing, um, you know, user experiences like that. Um, and yeah, so you can start to have, you know, not just um, a touch surface that's for you know, controlling a mouse, but as these surfaces get larger, you can imagine being able to write or sketch or do signatures on, on that surface. Um, you can start to imagine multi hand um, control where you're using both hands in a game or in an artistic um, use case, you know, using maybe you're using your left hand to position a piece of virtual paper and your right hand to sketch. Um, And then longer term beyond that, um, you know, there's no reason that that we should really have mechanical click pads forever. Like, like if you imagine the future, it's hard to imagine that we're still going to have these mechanical keys and um, where we are going with our technology is eventually being able to replace that mechanical keyboard, but have a user experience that is at least as good, if not better, Um, than you had on your mechanical uh, keyboard. Um, And some of the things we imagine being able to do um, at a very basic level is like you can reconfigure that keyboard. So um, you can change the language, you can change the layout, you can change, you know, it doesn't have to be a keyboard for typing, you know, words and letters. It can be a piano keyboard or a DJ controller. Um, And we've actually explored a lot of these concepts in some of our early products. Um, but making that more ubiquitous, um, you know, where every laptop can be this kind of very versatile, morphable, creative control surface. Um, and then there's, you know, there's, then there's more mundane things like being able to do better autocorrect, um, learning from the patterns of how the user types. Um, um, and even, you know, having a keyboard that conforms to your hands versus being, having to conform to the shape of a keyboard. Um, all of those things um, become possible when that surface, um, you know, goes from being a mechanical um, fixed thing to being a virtual software controlled thing.
0: Right, because it, essentially it, it becomes programmable. Um, and by the way, I'd encourage people, if you want to Google some of Sensel's you know, products, they, they, they've already created some hardware tools for musicians and the like for for these sorts of things. Where, But is what you're saying, you know, sort of this sci-fi you know star trek the next generation dream of having you know a surface that you can type on which right now people you know rightfully so don't like because it feels like i'm typing on a piece of glass but are, are you saying that ultimately the dream is in this area of what you can do for me to be able to type on a virtual keyboard and be able to do it without looking at it because the feedback is so accurate and so good that it'll It'll feel or at least be similar to using um, a mechanical keyboard.
1: Exactly. And what we can do today um, uh, with the technology we've developed already is we can simulate the force sensitivity of the keyboard so we know exactly how hard you're pressing with every finger. um, And we can provide a very realistic click. So when you press on it, it really feels like you're pressing down and hitting a key. The holy grail and the part that we haven't solved yet, but we want to solve in in the near future is how do how do you, you know, being able to feel the keyboard so you know you can close your eyes and move your hands around the keyboard. You can feel the little nub nubs under the F and J keys um, and you can really type with with your eyes closed on a mechanical keyboard today. How can we replicate that um, virtually Um, and uh, that's you know where i want to take the company in the future is uh being able to do that kind of user experience and we do think it's totally within the realm of possibility um but it's a very hard problem because um you know you need to stimulate the receptors in in the in the human finger um to give you that that tactile feedback Um, um but but that's certainly um where we see these interfaces going um and like you said it's really that that that. The vision is like the Star Trek, you know, the next generation interface where, um, you know, wherever you go on the spaceship, whatever whatever thing you're doing, you're always using these these surfaces, right? And and they may be different, um, you know, whether you're the pilot or you're the engineer or the communications officer, you might have a different different interface, but the underlying technology is, is all the same technology and it's extremely versatile and extremely, um, you know, um, you know, high bandwidth uh, kind of uh, controls, so um, so you can have that really seamless um, uh, interface for whatever you're doing.
0: Right. The, the the idea being like, you know, forget how your car maybe could be programmed for different drivers. Like someday you could sit in front of a compute device and it, it would, you know, automatically configure itself for, for your needs or, you know. Um, so yeah. put put a pin and put in pin in that because I want to come back to that at the end and talk about you know VR metaverse stuff which I can see this would <laughs> maybe come to but um, so right now today um, primarily um, Sensel is putting these modules into into things like laptops because. Uh, I believe, like Windows 11, has haptic force pad support and things like that. So these are increasingly coming into machines produced by OEMs. Uh, like, uh, what uh, I can already see, or I can already buy, some laptops that have Sensel inside them. Correct?
1: Um, yeah, that's right. So our first, um, our first product was a product we shipped ourselves. It was called the Sensil Morph, um, and we we actually funded that through a Kickstarter. In 2015, um, ship and and have start and started shipping it in 2017, and then early in early last year, uh, in uh, January 21 um, our second product was announced, and that is a haptic uh, touchpad that was embedded into Lenovo's uh, top of the line titanium product, um, and that was really the first time you saw a haptic force pad outside of a MacBook. Um, um, you know, in the PC world that that was a really high performance, really great user experience. Um, and then our second, uh, product in the market was a technology. Um, you know, we, uh, actually, uh, work with Microsoft on. So the Microsoft surface laptop studio uses some of our technology, uh, for their haptic force pad. Um, we didn't develop that force pad, but we kind of worked with Microsoft and, and helped them to integrate um some of our technology to give them really awesome haptics um and what we're working on now is really making those technologies ubiquitous uh bringing down the cost um scaling up the production capability and and bringing those to a lot more uh computers in the near future um and like you mentioned uh, microsoft did add uh, support uh, software support in the os for haptics and that's really uh, been uh, very beneficial for us toward you know in terms of accelerating the adoption um, in the pc ecosystem as well.
0: well I, speaking of uh, adoption, i mean I, I, when we spoke before, I think that you had mentioned that if you if you think of this as like um, generational change in the technology that when this last happened, when um, you know generally laptops switched to click pads, like it happened really quickly, like in a matter of four or five years, right?
1: yeah yeah i think um once the first click pad came out um it was very rapid and you know people thought it would you know there's a lot of people that were like i love my buttons i never want to get rid of my physical buttons on my touchpad or my click pad and uh and then you know kind of overnight that kind of design just became outdated and you really don't see you know any laptops on the market with mechanical click pads anymore you know outside of a few like ruggedized laptops that the military uses. um, That's just disappeared. Um, And so I think there's going to be a similar, you know, really rapid transition that's going to happen towards haptic force pads because, you know, nobody wants to be, you know, uh, you know, nobody wants to ship an outdated design that, uh, um, you know, uh, you know, in the in the in the uh, consumer electronics world. Um, there's there's kind of these trends, right? Um, and I think um, there there's definitely a trend towards you know more simple, more elegant designs, you know getting rid of mechanical buttons, getting rid of ports um, um, and creating these you know really beautiful seamless um, user experiences so these are these are the years of the force pad coming to you. your
0: next laptop will uh, hopefully likely have force pad technology inside it, but we haven't even, you mentioned the rugged, um, laptops. One of the things that we haven't talked about or mentioned in terms of what Sensil's technology is good for is, um, you can use it wearing gloves. <laughs> you can use it, um, in, in, uh, in wet environments, all sorts of stuff. So like that, that also speaks to ways that this technology can evolve beyond, you know, even just laptops or even
1: smartphones. Definitely. Um, It's it's one of the benefits of having richer sensing in general, Um, um, you know, in our in our technology that we've developed, we have force sensing, and the force sensing can function as a fallback to the capacitive touch, uh, because capacitive touch, um, you know, fails in certain certain circumstances, it's generally a great technology. But if you have, you know, moisture, if you're using gloves, um, you know, if you have electromagnetic interference, um, capac- capacitive touch um, can have you know false touches or, or just not function properly and so by adding richer uh, sensing modalities um, you can you can make that capacitive touch sensor more robust um, so we have we do have technologies that are um, you know really really good for situations where you know maybe it's in a medical environment and you need to make sure that you know that- was that really intentional, because you know, an right. any click could have some bad consequences. Um, so um, and then we even have technologies that can work fully, you know, underwater, for example, or, you know, just in, in drenching rain and the sensor continues to function perfectly. Um, um, so that's some of the advantages that I think um, kind of in the longer tail of, of what we can do as a company um, that we can really benefit from.
0: also saves you money. Businesses that use Ramp save an average of five percent the first year. Ramp is easy to use. Get started, issue virtual and physical cards, and start making payments in less than fifteen minutes. Whether you have five employees or five thousand. And now get two hundred and fifty dollars when you join Ramp. Just go to rampcom techmeme rampcom Ramp.com/slash/techmeme. So this is you know imagining you know, this sort of technology on heavy duty hardware out on a construction site, or as you're saying, like in a, in a hospital where people need to use it while still wearing gloves and things like that. But um, so if you combine that, this, you know, ability to use it in all sorts of settings that you couldn't use touch technology before, if you combine that with the fact that, you know, we can increase the size of it. It's not like a little, you know, post-it note size thing. You could, um, like, could we one day have the entire dashboard of a car essentially be uh, a smart surface that, again, which would solve problems because what people complain about with their Teslas is, is like, I, I need the knob. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm missing that ability to, to, to turn the air up and down by, by not even looking at it, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, we can solve the two biggest problems of a touch sensor, you know, in a car, which is one is like, you don't know if you've pressed it because you don't have any feedback. Um, And the second is, you don't know where you are because you're looking, you know, you're looking ahead at the road. So you don't know if you're, you know, you're on the volume control uh, button or you're on the uh, temperature, (laughs) you know, or or you've slipped off because you hit a bump. Um, You know, we can bring back some of that tactility that we lost with, um, with physical controls. Um, and in a car, it's interesting because you have a lot of these surfaces. You know, you have controls for the windows and doors. You have controls, you know, the, the main console, but you've also got steering wheels and palm rest. So there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of areas, a lot of opportunities for for some of the our technology that we've been developing to um, enhance those experiences.
0: So also... Um, if you achieve your dream of, you know, having the, the real 3D feedback and stuff like that, then we are talking about solving the the holy grail problem of the VR and the metaverse, where in future you don't even have to look at it, but you can you can get actual feedback and touch that might be tied to what you're doing in some sort of
1: AR or VR environment. Yeah, definitely, and and I think one of the things I'm personally really really excited about is is um, the possibilities of AR because um, once you have you know an AR you know really good AR display that you're wearing in the form of goggles um, or glasses um, you know any surface that you interact with can become this smart virtual surface um, but you're still going to need some way to sense the touch to sense um, the force to provide feedback, um, so we can start to imagine you know we have you know we have these larger touch surfaces that can be you know anywhere in your house on your table on your wall um, and then as soon as you you, you approach them, um, you know the AR display can overlay graphics onto those surfaces um, but you can still have that rich tactility and feedback you don 't have to just do gestures in the air. Um, you know, you can have something physical that you're interacting with, um, but that you've got, you know, visual representations also overlaid on top of. Um, so I think it's, it's going to be a really exciting uh, space to explore. Um, you know, the display technology really hasn't been there up till now to, to make those experiences really great. Uh, but, um, you know, there's a lot of um, rumors out there and speculation that, that a lot of that had is being solved and that we're going to see some really great products um, um, are, you know around some of those display technologies coming out and uh, we're really excited about you know being able to help augment those experiences with some of our uh touch force and haptics technology
0: well i think we can um uh announce or confirm obviously with by doing this episode that um Ridehoden fund um was an investor in uh, your series b Um, So uh, next couple years, next 18 months or so, going to be
1: exciting times for Sensel. Definitely, definitely. Um, Yeah, we um, um, uh, closed the first uh, half of our Series B um, earlier, uh, or I guess at the end of 21, um, and I can announce we closed uh, 9 million. Um, I was led by a, a Taiwanese CM called Global Lighting Technologies that actually specializes in a lot of uh, really cool lighting technology that's very complementary to what we do with our touch, touch sensing and haptics technology, um, and uh, we're really excited, uh, you know, to have ride home uh, Fund be a part of that round, um, and we are also um, uh, looking to close another nine million dollars in the near future, and that's uh, well underway, um, and um, yeah, we're going to take take that funding to um, accelerate. Um, you know the the development of our technologies and the uh, the scale up of production. Um, um, so um, I, I think uh, in the very near future, you're going to see a lot of a lot more of SunTilt technology and a lot more of um, the products that you use every day. Um, and really, the goal um, is to is for someday this technology to become um, ubiquitous and kind of um, you know in a lot of in a lot of places where you're going to be interacting with. Um, uh, with uh, electronic devices.
0: Well, and the idea uh, behind doing this, the way we're doing it is that um, all of the ride home audience uh, hopefully can become excited about this technology too. And t- to that end, um, if people want to find out more, uh, can, uh, should people start asking for, make sure there's Sencil inside when they buy a laptop? Um, do you have any asks for the audience in terms of just generally uh, tell us how, how we can um, how we can continue to be fans of Sensel uh, going forward?
1: Um, yeah, I think I think the best way is just to um, you know just to pay attention to the kind of the interaction technology that you're using in your in your devices um, when you're you know when you're buying a laptop uh, check out what kind of touch sensor you know is it using is there you know is there is there haptic feedback is there force feedback um and um you know kind of tell tell your friends about it um you know a lot of people it's funny like a lot of people that use um apple products get used to a certain user experience and they're shocked when they go and try other products like they try a PC and they're like oh wow this touchpad is terrible but people don't realize why that is they they don't realize that you know apple's invested probably hundreds of millions of dollars to you know to develop the that 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 touchpad or that keyboard or the touch sensor on their iPhone. There's a lot of really cool technology that goes into that. Um, and, um, and, um, you know, but there's no reason that it should be limited to the products of one company, we need to, you know, start to bring these better user experiences to to other uh, products, other technologies in our lives. Um, and that's what Sensol is doing. So I think, yeah, just be more aware of uh, your, uh, your your interactions with technology i think be be more uh, uh discerning i guess um and demanding of, of products that you buy that they do um you know invest in making these interactions better because um i mean these these technologies are you know we're using them day in and day out and especially you know with what we've had over the last few years with the pandemic i mean we're you know doing work remotely we're, we're Uh, Studying remotely, um, we're using our computers all day, like why shouldn't we have better, um, you know, better interaction technologies for these things that we're doing, um, doing all day, Um, you know, these technologies should be, um, they should really be optimized for the person rather than the person having to, you know, train themselves and fit themselves into a a mold or a box uh, of how they use their technology. And that's what we're um, trying to do at Sensel.
0: No more conforming to the hardware. The hardware (laughs) conforms to you. Yes. Um, Listen, anybody out there listening, if this is interesting to you and exciting, get in touch with me and I will pass you along to Sensel. Um, But Ilya, thank you so much for being the first to come on and uh, tell us about your company and very exciting times ahead. and, And happy 2022. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Thank you, Brian. It's been uh, really fun uh, talking to you. Thank you for the, the opportunity and for the investment and, uh, and uh, happy 2022 to you and, and all your uh, listeners as well.